WNBA. No, no, wait, no, that's not it. NWSL Nation. No, that's that's not it either. That's what is the show? Oh, wait. Got it. WNWSLBA Nation. How are you? <laughs> Welcome to well uh, to an exciting uh, quarantine crossover episode. That's sort of an alliteration, but only in sound. Uh, this is our, our special crossover episode. We've got a big week in women's sports coming up, so we thought we'd do a special episode. We're a team of four today. I, of course, am Steve Schwartzman. I here have got my WNBA comrades, uh, Kyle Haywood. Logan Jones and my NWSL comrade, soccer savant Mike McPhee. Everyone, how are we? So good. Awesome. Just phenomenal. This is going to be good fun. Um, the real narrative for this, and I guess this is for everyone sitting, sitting at home, uh, is we've got a big, big, big week in women's sports coming up. Obviously, sports in general is about to enter this full-scale return we've already had a return of sports with the nwsl the first league back but we have all kinds of leagues come back to the forefront this week we have the return of the wnba in full season coupled directly with the nwsl challenge cup championship we thought it would be a lot of fun to just really bring this into a full zeitgeist have a general discussion on the state of women's sports all the things to be excited about and just get a chance for all of us to kind of intermingle this is almost like a, a all hands staff meeting type of thing Let's get in. Let's talk. Let's commiserate. I don't know. Let's, <laughs> let's commiserate. I like, dude. Your vocab today so far, top notch. It's man, listening to Mike Watts commentary. I was gonna say, is it, is it? Were you inspired by the <laughs> yeah. end of the challenge cup I heard, commentary? I heard cromulent. I heard disestablishmentarianism, and I was like, words, man. Words are great. <laughs> awesome. So for those of you playing along, I hope you've. Uh, I'll have your uh, individual bingo sheets that we DM'd <laughs> out to all of our followers. Uh, the free space. Yeah, make sure you get the free space. So There, there it is. <laughs> of course, we have a lot to dive into. Before we jump into anything, this is going to get a little nutty, but let's do it. Uh, if you're looking to pretty much follow anything we can, of course, you can check out WNBA Nation. Find us on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod. We also have a Facebook page. It's under the same name. NWSL is over at Twitter at NWSL Nation Pod. You can find those podcasts by name anywhere your pods can be found. If you're listening to either or both podcasts, we'd absolutely love it. Give us comments, star ratings, whatever it be that whatever you listen to offers helps us really get our, our name and our voice out to a bigger audience because we the more the merrier is our mantra and the mantra of anyone who does things in groups. It happens, but not physically, social distancing. But of course, you can find us there. Uh, comment, rate, subscribe. Of course, uh, if you want to look for any extra content or want to help support the show in any way, we do have our Patreon page. Link to that is in the description of the WNBA Nation Twitter. But we definitely would love any support there. Any support there goes directly toward efforts we can put together to help improve the show, make this a better product for you. So we definitely appreciate that. A lot of fantastic kickbacks are well on their way. 
from there, we just revamped our whole kickback structure and, and you know, what you'll be getting based on your donation tier. So definitely check that out. We do have our merch page over at Store Envy. Check out our Store Envy page. We have some really great in-house design pieces there for you to check out. Funds toward the Store Envy page go directly toward efforts that we make to help people uh, get to professional or collegiate women's sporting events for the first time just get a chance to see something live for the first time and uh, right now that's a little bit tough to do but next next year might be a lot of fun we might have yeah. a lot of, uh <laughs> good budget to get some people to, to, to some places so we're hoping we're gonna have a little stuff. excess budget there to yeah. yeah to spread around the league and get some people to games we're we're not on like a fiscal calendar where we have to kind of get rid of things we, we're just continuing to store these we're just gonna hold it for then, next year yeah yeah <laughs> because it's not for us it's for y'all and that's, you know, that's what we aim to do. And also just great shirts and, and stuff. Cool stuff to wear. I'm like wearing one currently. Ooh, I just noticed. I, I like that, like, like we were recording this very late. And, and I like the idea that it's just now just like, what am I wearing today? Oh, nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I put on. I forgot. You, you got to check in at least once a day. And if that's, if that's right at the ends, I mean, go for it. <laughs> I appreciate the support, guys. (laughs) It's so, it's so funny. So we originally had an idea. It didn't end up working out because of just time and research. And there's a lot going on right now. But eventually, we might do. We thought since it was a crossover, so we might do a W history crossover. And my idea was chronicling the careers of Subert and Megan Rapino in one. And here's Mm -hmm. the thing that's interesting about it. I originally wanted to do it as a live stream on video, right? And so I thought. Man, I really want to be intentional about like what I would wear to that. Here's the thing: I have a Sue Bird T-shirt, and I have a Megan Rapino T-shirt, <laughs> and I legitimately am like, what do I do? And I thought what like, do, do I do I be stupid and do like the cut in half? So like Nelly at the 2000 Super Bowl halftime show thing, <laughs> or do I just like wear one and then like turn off my camera and then I've got the other on? And then we ended up just not doing it, so I don't have to worry about it. Uh, so just pretend I, wearing both shirts. I think I speak for all of our listeners when I say, if you could be Nelly, you should be that. You always be Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> I need to run and get a band aid for right under my is it right eye or left eye? Where can you put left it? eye? Well, I abs- depends on the day. Yeah. I think that's the end of the plug session. We have a lot of stories or just a lot of bits to jump into. We have two rounds of predictions while we're going to be here on the show. And we have some other discussions. We're going to be outlining the first weekend of the WNBA season, what that's going to look like, what we're excited about. But first things first, friends, let's go to Angel City. The global sport in the global city. Coming together, we're naturally destined to be bigger than the game. Rewriting the script. Writing the wrongs, building a women's football club that lives up to the name, Angel City. First of all, I just realized how much that absolutely sounds like a Sonic the Hedgehog level. It, does. <laughs> it, does. it definitely does. Angel, Angel City, City would totally be the name. And I'm trying to picture what like the theme song would be like. And I well, there's clouds, like, and what it is is it's it's one of the bonus levels where you're in the half pipe. Yeah. Oh, and you have to dodge like the bowling balls that you're are dodging there. the bowling balls, and you're getting the coins. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. one of those. Those were the, my favorite levels, at least. <laughs> the best, by the way, if, if you ever have uh, siblings and you get to play those, those are uh, a good way to hate your siblings for like a year. 
this Logan, this, I think way, that that sounds like you've not had any experience with that in the past. <laughs> cuts you come to this show for is the Sonic the Hedgehog references. Does it? Does anyone have a particular favorite Sonic level song since we brought it up? Because I think there's an out and out winner. I I do, but I want to hear what yours is first because I'm scared. I don't know how you don't go with the Chemical Plant. I think Chemical Plant's the best song. <laughs> Green Hill's good. good. I I think Air Fortress is better. Okay, I, I that's like No Night, and I like Air Fortress a lot. Okay, <laughs> Air Fortress is good. It's like Sonic's Jerry was a race car driver. Really good, really skilled. It's, to me, Chemical Plant is is Sonic's like Superman. And yes, I'm paralleling Sonic with Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Another video games. Yes, yeah, those are like those are like the two video games i played as a kid so it's mystic what cave I also great except mystic cave actually takes you 10 minutes to complete so it plays a lot and you get tired of it real fast it's amazing learning the stuff that will just straight up wake logan up this is great <laughs> <laughs> logan's made more comments right now than he did all of pre-record <laughs> guys angel city uh, technically, I can't say out loud Angel City FC yet completely. Uh, the the news cycle has said that there's no firm confirmation that the name of the club will be Angel City FC. You have to assume, uh, and that's most likely what's going to happen. That said, uh, this announcement came, came in early Tuesday morning, and this came off of a night when there were just teasers galore of people dropping 721 on their twitter and their instagram feeds and what was going to happen and the announcement came through that the nwsl had come into an agreement uh, with a group of investors to bring an nwsl team to the city of angels um, and spawned the account we are angel city on twitter through their website the first thing that really stands out here and a lot of people have hit on is is not just having a team in los angeles which is a huge deal the roster of ownership for this team in a word is unreal i'm just gonna go down the roster really quickly just to give you guys an idea here uh the first name on this list that i'm seeing is padme amidala natalie portman there's carrie nortman who is a partner at upfront ventures venture capitalist out of southern california julie ehrman uh, most recently president of media for PEI. Uh, also very heavy in the tech and gaming world. Has done a lot of cool stuff with that. Alexis Ohanian, who is a, a f- uh, founder and, and former executive level employee at Reddit, uh, may currently be heavily known for being the husband of Serena Williams. Then it starts to kick into other celebrities and very notably, and I know Mike was excited about this, notable women's soccer players, WNT players, especially from the 99 team and some from other years. You have, um, you have Abby Wambach, you have, of course, Mia Hamm was a huge name on the list. Julie Fatty's a big name on the list. Continuing to go down the notable names on top of that, America Ferreira, Superstore fame and Ugly Betty fame. Uh, you have Eva Longoria, Jennifer Garner, Glennon Doyle. Jessica I love that Chastain. we're this far down and you're still throwing out like Jennifer Garner, Eva Longoria. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm doing, you know, how, like the beginning of an award show, they just give you like featuring and it tells like everyone who's going to present. That's what I feel yeah. like I'm doing right now. These are people who own a women's soccer the ownership team. Group, or is this the cast for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the live action sequel? <laughs> Angel City. Oh my word! <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog to Angel City. Uh, all those people in that room on on a screen together for an hour and a half. <laughs> and we we have to mention Serena Williams' two year old daughter, right? 
absolutely. Yes. I, I forgot the most principal of youngest of owner of a sports team, Alexis Olympia Henning Jr., the, the two year old daughter and principal investor with uh, Angel City, uh, the youngest to date booked sports team owner in history. I have a two year old right now and I'm very frustrated with him. Like, what are you doing with your life? You don't own a sports team yet. Get, get <laughs> out there and inherit a sports team. Like, what? <laughs> What's what's the issue here? So yeah, I mean that that's really the the main snow story. I mean we're yet to to see a lot more to roll out with this in terms of obviously official nomenclature for the for the club overall branding. Right now the branding is essentially a letterhead. So you know what are crests going to look like? What are uniforms going to look like? Obviously they have time. They won't be kicking off until 2022. I'll be straight up here. I have a huge bias toward this. I'm born in Burbank, raised in northern los angeles this this has a lot of emotional tie with me so i come into this feeling like the reveal with this was awesome very exciting i think the name is great i think there's a lot to be excited about obviously the level of investors in this shows that this has the potential to be something very influential and monumental i'm gonna kick it over to you guys for immediate reactions because i i know that i'm seeing this through a certain uh tint of glasses but what are you guys' thoughts as this rolls out i want to hear mike's first yeah, yeah. I just thought this was a huge deal. I mean, A, you've got a team in LA, which, you know, we've been wanting since since the league started in 2013. Huge deal, huge market. But I look at the ownership group too. The NWSL, along with a lot of women's sports, you know, they've they've really struggled with financial neglect, mismanagement. They don't get the same resources as a lot of men's clubs do. That's common knowledge, but this ownership group has, it's majority female owned. We have so many players that have actually played at the club and national team level that know the experience and now they're the ownership, you know, they have that power now. I'm really excited for this. I think they, they could be the definition of what a well-run club looks like. And I'm, I'm excited so much. There's been so much hype and passion about this rollout that I think we could really attract a lot of talent back to the league. And on top of that, even just a few months ago, there wasn't a lot of optimism. No one knew what 2020 was going to look like or beyond. Is our teams going to survive? Is the league going to survive? And not only have we had a successful Challenge Cup, but now we've got expansions in Louisville and LA. And there's just, the excitement's just palpable. We actually just... Not too long ago, if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to our W History three-part series on the Houston Comets, you may not know, but the number three media market in the United States didn't join the WNBA until 2006, which is, I believe, nine years after the inception of the league. Now, if I'm doing my math correctly, 2013 to 2022 is what we're believing LA, uh, the Angel City to join, correct? Are we saying 2022? That's nine years as well. And I think that's a really cool parallel that these two huge markets in both the WNBA and the NWSL join almost a decade after the inception of their respective leagues. I think it's, I think that it's, it's going to bring a a new wave of, of fans and attention um, not just because of who owns the team, but also because it's LA. And there's people across the United States that when LA gets a team, we're hopping into that because their roots and you know their families from there. That's you know, they they live there for a time, or you know, they just got that LA, that Southern California pride. 
Um, and I think that's really awesome. And I think it's going to really bring a lot into this league and to, to see the ownership of this team is really exciting because, you know, it's not just one person that's calling every shot. It's a, it's a full team of people that are all going to have this vested interest in this team. And I, I just think that overall it was a, such a, an exciting announcement uh, to have made in a time where, frankly, sports has been full of a lot of disappointment and sadness this year. And I just was, I was pretty amped to see this announcement come uh, for the Angel City uh, franchise. Obviously, this is great news. Uh, it's smart. I think the branding is distinct. It's cool. Um, Angel City just has a great ring to it. But to Kyle's point that, that I think he made well is to, to a lot of the sports viewing public in this country, uh, if something's not happening in L.A. and New York City, it may as well not be happening. Uh, and so I think I don't know if the league needed this to necessarily legitimize itself. But I think it furly it further entrenches itself into kind of the this this sport is happening in North America and is here to stay. Um, opening up a, a I, I don't even want to say LA because I know it's an LA team, but I think the reasoning behind the branding is they recognize that there's 12 other shows in town when it comes to athletics, and they want to be you know distinct. They want to be their own thing. They want to have their own you know fan base and culture, um, and they're gonna get it. I I think. You know, there's there's no reason to believe that soccer will do anything but take off in that area, and it's it's going to be appealing to fans that are already fans of the league and LA sports fans who are just excited to have something closer to home and relevant to them. In your opinions, what is the next step? Like, what do we need to see immediately from here? We have till 2022 when things actually kick off and we see actual soccer from this club, but what? from this point immediately needs to happen to maintain the momentum and to continue on the trajectory to making this a venture that is as impactful as the potential to be. I think you need to do something to sustain that enthusiasm. One thing that I like that Louisville has done is, well, A, they've, they've started branding really well as soon as they had, you know, the new rollout of, of their, of their crest and their, their branding and, there's been a lot on social media. They're showing off their stadium. They're trying to build this aesthetic, this culture that before before you even know who's on your team, before you even know, you know, what before you play a, a single game, there, there's almost this established culture and aesthetic. And I think they they had been really successful in even getting over a thousand season ticket holders. Well, you know, um, shortly after. They made that rollout. And so I, I think Angel City FC is really off to a strong start with how much they invested in that rollout. I think they just need to keep sustaining that, keep it in everybody's minds, but they're off to a fantastic start. One of my things is is starting, is really honing in on that, you know, we are LA's team. Um, in the men's league, uh, LAFC joined uh, not too long ago. And the Galaxy had already been an established team for a long time. And so they, you know, there's kind of this, obviously, there's kind of this obvious rivalry, you know, like who's LA's team. You see the same thing in the MNBA um, with the Clippers and the Lakers. But this is solely the women's soccer team for LA. And I think that kind of getting out to some of the other um, sporting events, getting out and showing support making appearances around LA and like Mike said 
keeping it top of mind for residents in the area, I think is really how you're going to make sure that you have a successful franchise. Uh, we all know that there's a demand for soccer and uh, I, there's an inc ever increasing demand for women's soccer uh, across this country. I love the fact that we're adding more teams and what better place than to do it in, in LA, in the Southern California area where there's a love for soccer and has been for decades and decades. I think we could easily spend a lot more time diving into this, but as you know, and as y'all listening know, we have a lot more to cover on the special crossover episode. So we're going to keep it rolling. Friends, let's talk some hoops. On the WNBA side of things, obviously the main news is the obvious thing. Real regulation basketball is about to happen, which is fun to say. As we're recording this, uh, when this is set to release, scheduled to release, will be a day shy of the official kickoff of the 2020 WNBA season, all to take place in Bradenton, Florida, the bustling metropolis itself. Uh, we wanted to take some time really to kick off, I would say, the, the first weekend of games. Every team will have an opportunity to be represented over the first two days of the season. I guess before we jump into the games themselves, just any immediate thoughts now that we're in, you know, week zero, we're here ready to actually see some ball happen on the court. It feels, um, I don't know, like, you know, when you're like really looking forward to like seeing something and you're not sure that it's really real. Anybody yeah, else know? That feeling? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you're really looking forward to it, but you're like, is it, is it, is it for real? That's kind of how I'm feeling about or like WNBA. A, it's almost it's like, like you're going to like a tourist, like a main tourist attraction. Like you've, yeah, like you've heard of the Golden Gate Bridge. You've seen it in movies. You feel like you've been there, but it's only because you've seen it so much. And now you're actually going to that's it. That's it's pretty accurate. And you're like, oh, it, yeah, it's actually, that's kind of the, the feeling that I'm getting is that, I mean, the WNBA is something that I literally think about every single day of my life. And to actually have basketball here feels a little surreal. Um, and I think that it's going to feel that way until maybe partway through the first quarter of the Storm and Liberty game on Saturday. And then I think it's going to start to like come back and be like, oh, okay, like there's, there, there's something to this. So that's, that's my overall feelings so far. I don't know. Hard to put in words, but yeah. Here's where I'm at. We just to peek behind the curtain a little bit more, actually, we, we had this really good discussion before we, we started recording about how good it can be for you to take some media breaks and be off your phone. I'm just going to tell you right now, I am going to be glued to media this whole weekend. <laughs> because I, as, as much as I, I do agree that it's crazy we're even trying to have sports right now in, in situations that aren't necessarily the safest, if they're going to play, I'm going to watch and it's going to be awesome and it's and we're gonna have things to talk about again like the ball on the court and going through the hoop and not just player movement before the season and for that i am thrilled it's just interesting because with mike I, I think michael co-signed this we had several weeks where we were talking about the challenge cup while it was still this floating idea in the sky it was scheduled it was happening but it was still just this thing and then the first time we sat down to talk about real soccer, it almost felt surreal. Like I remember when like first whistle happened and people were running up the pitch and it was this moment of just, Oh yeah. I'm like, I'm watching this. Like I'm not watching ESPN classic. This is happening. And it was a surreal moment. And it was almost like you had to like shake some rust off. 
of like, oh, yeah, I got to know how to react to stuff in I real can time. Understand that? It's completely true. That opening match, my team lost, but it was so refreshing just to see it live and happening. <laughs> yeah. Which ties to a thought, Logan. You and I have had this discussion before. Of sometimes the best thing about sports is to have a non-important thing to be angry at. Yes. Even even if like a sports thing doesn't go your way, you're like, this is so much easier than being angry at like being up to my nose in debt or that I have a broken leg I've got to deal with or the government. It's nice to just be like, for goodness sake, like, can you score? Uh, <laughs> and so it's it's weird. Like it brings up all of those different levels of emotions, but it's that weird feeling of, oh, I haven't like, I haven't stretched this muscle in several months uh, oh, because- please. Yeah, the caps lock button on my phone when I tweet has been getting dusty. Like yeah. for four months now, we haven't gone into caps lock mode because that's that's only reserved for things like scoring droughts and late game pushes, not like real world events. And I'm ex- I, I hope we get reasons to bust it out this weekend. I feel like we're about to start the sixth season of Lost. Of like, <laughs> it's my favorite show, and I'm excited about it. But like, obviously, we all have questions. Obviously, we all have concerns, but I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Like that's kind of how it almost feels in a way. Uh, that said, as as we'd already noted, we have six games over the first weekend. Every team will get a chance to play Saturday the 25th. That'll be the day after this episode is released. We we kick things off on ESPN noon Eastern. The 2018 champion Seattle Storm face off against the Sabrina Ionescu champion New York Liberty because that's I guess what they won in a way when they won the lottery. Uh, so, you know, huge seminal matchup there. Sue Bird, Bree Stewart, Kia Nurse, Rini Inescu's first chance to take the court uh, in a WNBA setting. We move forward from there to 3 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Sparks taking on the Mercury. Those two teams are always a ton of fun when they match up. Then we have the 5 p.m. Eastern matchup on CBS Sport. We're dancing around all these networks, man. Sports Network, we've got the Indiana Fever and the 2019 defending champion Washington Mystics. They will be without many familiar faces, uh, but always good to see champions. You've got a Fever team with the new coach, and uh, you've got you know, the, the Fever. A lot of young, hungry. Erica Wheeler <laughs> coming off of an Ulster game. Lauren Cox, a lot of good stuff to be excited about there. Then we roll this into Sunday, July 26th, the same day as the Challenge up finals but also noon eastern espn again the connecticut sun taking on the minnesota Lynx, a game full of fundamentals and sound defense and really good coaching and what should also be good basketball but that's that's your textbook hickory high like bring a notebook with you when you watch that one 3 p.m eastern on abc again the chicago sky and the vegas aces the repeat return sequel of what I'll call the Hamby game, one of the most, if not the most exciting playoff game from last season. This, this, this yeah. was. There's several of these done on purpose, and I think people that didn't pay attention last year don't understand the significance of that game. That's like, there's a dead set reason why they have the Sky and the Aces on like the yep. first weekend. Exactly. Then we cap off the opening weekend, 5 p.m. Eastern CBS Sports Network, the Dallas Wings and all of their rookies versus the Atlanta Dream and all of their awesome free agent signings. A lot of great stories, a lot of games to be excited about. We're going to get a chance to see every team in action over the first weekend. We're going to make this pretty quick and succinct because we have a lot of predictions to dive into. I, it's going to be tough. I'm going to ask you guys to pick one. And if it's been picked, try to pick a different one. If you can only pick one game 
that you're you're most excited to have eyes on? Which one is it? Me, may I go first? It so sounds like you are. Mine. I, I got to watch that Aces Sky game. I think that's my number one for the whole weekend. Because that you're, that the Hamby game happened, and in a parallel universe, the Chicago Sky may go on to win the whole thing. I don't know. But I, I definitely, even without Cam Beige, which sucks, uh, I'm excited to see the Sky in action, Asia Wilson back in action. And that is a rivalry that I think is budding that could kind of blossom into something more this season as they face each other more. I like, I like you pointing out that this has like legs for rivalry discussion because that handy play all in itself is one of those things that just sparks that, you know, people want people have even made comparison to the Teresa Witherspoon shot, right? Just mm-hmm. that's the type of thing that links two teams together. And every time they play, we got to see what happens. Absolutely. Mike, do you have one? I think I got to go with the opener, the Seattle, New York. I'm really excited to see that. Absolutely, dude. That's, I think that one, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you are new to the league, which I'm a, I know that there's a, a handful of you that have interacted with us on Twitter that are saying, hey, I'm new. I've never watched WNBA before. You know, what do I need to know? So here's your, here's your starter. Watch the first game because it's, it's, it's this perfect link of, you know, old school and and kind of this new up and coming class uh, in New York, and uh, it's I, I agree, Mike. That's the one to watch, dude. Plus, you got uh, you got Pacific Northwest, you know. Ties. Absolutely, that, that's the connection. <laughs> yeah, I I like that you talked about like the old school kind of new school direct because you have thirty nine year old Sue Bird facing up against six rookies. Yeah, <laughs> on the Liberty, and and specifically <laughs> probably head to head with UNESCO who's been kind of heralded as the future of women's basketball since she was in high school. So, yeah, yeah. I I like it because a lot of people have been talking about like passing of the torch, which obviously has a little bit of uh, punniness to it being the Liberty and the torch being in there. (laughs) Nice. But (laughs) we've talked about that. The interesting thing here is to me, passing of the torch alludes to the idea that someone's going to kind of lay down and let the other person follow. I don't think those people have watched Sue Bird play basketball, <laughs> right? I don't think she's just handing this over. No. I think she's, this is what's going to make this fun is I think Sue's got that mentality of, Hey, if you want the mantle, you better come take it. Like, and, and that's where I think it's going to make it fun. I, I almost think it's the perfect matchup that way. And I've also argued in the past that to me, this almost feels like it's as much a Sabrina V Stewie matchup as well. in that idea of here's this legend that's in the, the twilight of your career. Here's also basically the current best player in the league. And here's the person that seems to be sucking up all the conversation. There's a lot of interesting narratives there. Yeah. Well, and, and normally I'd be the first person to point out like, Let's wait until we see Sabrina do something. She's a rookie, you know, hyping her up as the new torchbearer compared to Sue Bird, who's had one of the most illustrious careers of any player ever. Like, that, that's high, maybe too high praise for a person who hasn't played a game yet. But remember, they have played against each other before, and it didn't go great for Sue Bird's team because that was the Oregon versus Team USA matchup from a year ago. So <laughs> I, different circumstances, certainly. Uh, but they, I, I think they each know that they, they know what each other's about and they know, I think everyone knows Sabrina's for real, but it's still going to be a welcome to the league moment. From yeah, in, in fact, I'm, I'm almost positive Sabrina dropped a 30 piece on, on team USA <laughs> on road to, a, she a had, victory, she so. had one of the most cold blooded jumpers of the calendar year <laughs> yeah. in that yeah. game. 
that nobody was, talks it, about anymore and it's amazing so good um yeah. i'll tell you what i'm also possibly even more excited about all this is we've talked about sui we've talked about super we talked about sabrina i'm excited for this to actually end up being the jewel lloyd v kia nurse matchup fine with that I, that would be cool <laughs> that's what makes this fun is there's always there's a lot of characters in in those lineups that can really take the stage for what's going to be a historic seminal night just everything that's going on right now in the world and and the importance of the the return of the league this is an interesting matchup for that so i think we got we had we had mike we had logan kyle what you got i'm gonna pick one that at first glance everybody's gonna just skip right past but i'm telling you i'm gonna watch the crap out of the wings and the dream this season because they are both so intriguing they're so intriguing Mm -hmm. I feel like they both have had a ton of roster turnover, um, you know, similar to New York, but they've both, you know, the wings with a a huge draft class, the dream with a lot of free agent signings and the number four pick. I think that the wings and dream rosters right now are going to be, they're just chuck full of a lot of the future of the WNBA. And I'm really excited to watch that future kind of unfold on this first weekend. I'm with you on that. I, I think the interesting thing about this matchup is I feel like these are two teams that are looking at the other one saying like, so we're going to bring it. You better also bring it. Yeah. Cause we have to, <laughs> we have to convince everyone why they should be watching the us, you know, both of us throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And so I actually think it's kind of fun that the narrative, it's almost fun that they're going to be the, the cap to the weekend yeah. in that you've watched all these teams and you watch a lot of teams. A lot of people are talking about, well, now it's time for us to make our case. And I think the timing of it's going to be really interesting. There's a couple, I, I won't go deep into it, but some storylines there include taking uh, Kennedy Carter and Ty Harris three picks apart in the draft. Mm-hmm. And then also being two teams that have been very vocal and honest about not being happy with last year's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the interviews that we've had um, with people around the Dallas Wings especially have, have been surprisingly candid about just not being a very good team last year. Um, and I'm, I'm yeah. with Kyle. We're, I don't think we're going to do our full one through eight playoff uh, predictions today. I'm sure we'll, we'll all publish ours somewhere on Twitter in, in the next 24 hours or so. But I am very interested, as Kyle is, in the Dallas Wings this season. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. It also it makes note that probably the two players that are highest on the discussion, if, if not Sabrina, then who are on right. these clubs between mm-hmm. Kennedy and Sobley. So that there's a lot to dive into there. The, the, the matchup to me, I think, speaks for itself once you hear it, but for some reason isn't coming immediately to mind to a lot of people. And I think that's the frustration point with these teams. Sparks-Mercury is going to be a great game. Yes, it really is. Um, these are two teams that have potentially put together championship-level rosters that are sitting here like, why is no one talking about us? <laughs> it's so <laughs> like, true. It's it's this really interesting case of you have a Sparks team, obviously, without Christy Tolliver, without Shneo Gumake, but at the same time, you still have two former MVPs that are playing at high levels. You still have Chelsea Gray playing at a phenomenally high level. There's a lot, I think, of excitement. They kind of like being likened to the Yankees, but that's just how it came out. Uh, but um, and, and on the Mercury, and you have a team that potentially has this big three a lot of people are building, but you know, a lot of people are excited about, but at the same time, the buzz kind of wore off and so suddenly there isn't much discussion. It's similar to the super thing. We haven't seen DT on the court in a while. How's that going to line up? Both of these teams are rosters that if they can click and put things together, have a potential to make an ever long run. 
and this is going to be their first chance to set that off. I'm looking forward to what could be a really exciting matchup. Also a little bit telling that, yes, while the Seattle Storm-Liberty matchup is the first opening matchup, the Sparks and Mercury are the ones getting the national network release. They're the Mm -hmm. ABC game, midday. All six matchups have a story of their own. There's a lot for us to dive into in general. And then from there, it's just... There's just, if you really want to be a glutton for basketball, no excuses come Saturday because nearly every single day for the next month and a half, there's going to be upwards of three basketball matchups for you. It's, you know, it should be fun if that's what you're looking to do. You might need to take breaks to get to know your family again. That'll be important, but we'll see how that goes. Guys, we're going to roll right from these games straight into the 2020 WNBA seasons. We're now going to move into our prediction section of the show. Guys, let's roll into the 2020 predictions. This is, and Logan made this note before we started recording, and I totally agree. This is often one of our favorite episodes, which is really funny because we do this every year, and usually it's the one that opens up most of our embarrassment host by host. Uh, because every year we typically have a, a well-put-together long-standing predictions episode and then we spend the rest of the year sweating profusely over the fact that we seem to have gotten everything wrong that said uh, typically what we do is, is pretty thorough we go through every single team where we expect them to seed we go pretty heavily through the awards listings how each round of the playoffs will go in our head we have truncated that a little bit. And I want to give a little bit of preference to this because the, the point of it really is there's a lot of stuff that's like really, really hard to predict just given the climate of what's going on and the amount of teams that are out and the level of who knows what could happen or what could change throughout the season. There's so many variables that can switch things around. Yeah, try picking the starting five for the Dallas Wings right now and tell me who's potentially sixth woman of the year from that team. It's not good luck. <laughs> None of us know. I don't think their coach I, knows. I don't think that Brian Agler has an idea. I'm not sure if it's a starting five I can predict. Yeah. Like, period. Seattle's probably. I think I can do Seattle's. That's close. Otherwise, yeah, that's a tough one. Maybe that's what we should. No, it's not what we're doing. Uh, That said, so we've shortened this down a little bit. Each host, Mike included, is going to be making five predictions. You'll be predicting the 2020 MVP, the 2020 Rookie of the Year, the 2020 Coach of the Year, the 2020 Defensive Player of the Year, and then finally, straight up, the 2020 WNBA Champion. So typically, we do seedings, we go through the playoffs, straight up, who's taking home the hardware uh, when it comes to the end of the season. So we'll make this, you know, pretty snappy, pretty good, but also something, you know, we, that's that's five easy runs for you to hold us accountable for, and that's really what we live for. We like being accountable, keeps us on our toes keeps us fresh uh so we're gonna write through this so one more time mvp rookie of the year coach of the year defensive player of the year and the wnba champion we are going to go in alphabetical order except mike will go last is how this will work which is my favorite rule in how to order things so alphabetical except for mike yeah i I, I, like when i'm organizing like all of my records and what they go in i go alphabetical mike last Uh, My Mike McPhee vinyl (laughs) record, I always put it last. I like it in a specific place. That said, Kyle, that means we're going to kick it over to you. We haven't discussed this as a group. Do we want to just do all our predictions at once, or do you guys want to go line by line? Uh, Sorry, go on. I was going to say line by line. Yeah, I I like hearing everybody's picks for an award and then then moving past that. Cool. We will go preset by preset then. No problem there. So, Kyle? Let's let's kick it off immediately. Let's do this then. We're going to go... No, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go in the order that I have written down because I don't feel like confusing anyone else longer than I need to. Mike, 2020... Sorry, Mike, you're last. We just talked I'm about last. this. I'm <laughs> last. It is way too late. I need sleep. 
Kyle, the 2020 <laughs> WNBA MVP is who and why? It's Asia Wilson, and I'll tell you why. Asia Wilson has just one of the most captivating personalities in all of sports that I've ever experienced. Not only, but but that's not the reason she's winning MVP. That's the that's what puts her over the edge, though. She's playing on a team that um, if they make a run, if they come, if they make you know the the semifinals, or and especially if they you know if if they get a number one or number two seed, Asia Wilson will have done like her part. I think that as far as where I expect them to be, I have them at about a four or five seed. So if they're a top two seed, I think that Asia Wilson is going to be huge, a huge part of that. I think that she's got all the intangibles. She's going to put up ridiculous numbers. She's uh, she had a really big jump from uh, rook, not freshman to sophomore from rookie to sophomore year. Um, and I really, really like what I'm seeing from her lately. And I think that she's primed to have a breakout season similar to what we saw from Bree Stewart in 2018. I like this. Asia Wilson, good pick. Uh, yeah, former rookie of the year, coming in, third season, MVP, good stuff. I think the narrative makes a lot of sense too. Just without having Liz Camp age, it adds that difficulty element of if mm-hmm. you can overcome this, it takes you a long way. Logan, what do you what do you got for us? Yeah, Kyle, that's a that's a good pick. I think anybody having this discussion with friends, Asia's got to be in the discussion. The 2020 WNBA MVP will be Courtney Vandersloot. Whoa. I had a a feeling this is where you were going with it. Boom. (laughs) All right. For those counting, this is number one of Logan's Chicago Sky references. Boom. That's a a running gag of of Logan is the – and, and I say this with love is, is this is one of the six players he, he can mention. And so he... <laughs> Logan knows what's almost odd. all the players, but that's the running gag. Yeah. What's <laughs> odd is Vanderstude is never the player I'm talking about. It's usually Kyle. Um, that's true. I'll, that's I'll true. Bring up Allie Quigley and, and others a... uh, like, like Dolson. And, and that's, and we could forgive him for having a daughter who looks just like Courtney Vanderstude. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, but I I am a little bit surprised at my pick as well because this isn't what I went into making this list thinking I was going to pick. I actually had Asia Wilson originally. But as I thought out kind of how I expect the season to go, uh, how well I expect Chicago's mostly intact roster to do, uh, the fact that she has come very close to winning MVP before, which I don't think anybody talks about, she is often a top vote getter in first team all WNBA, which I think everyone knows, but I don't think she gets enough credit for her compared to the other first teamers like the Brittany Griners and the Elena Deladons. And I think it's time for Vandersloot to get her due on a team that I think is bound for a lot of success. This year. I, I want to add one thing that helps your case as well. At, to, at the end of the last season, there were three players that were really in the MVP discussion. There was one who stood above, but three players came up. Obviously, there was the MVP, Elena Deladon. Right. There was John Quell Jones, and there was Courtney Vandersloot. Only one of those players is on an active roster this season. I I would even go so far as to say in 2018, uh, Bree Stewart, who is now back, won it. And I think Liz Cambage was the other one up there. And then I think Vandersloot was three. And Cambage isn't playing this year. Mm -hmm. So many many of the top vote-getters of the past two seasons will not be in the running. And I think Vandersloot will be on a contender, maybe the best contender she's played on in that time frame. I like this pick, Logan. You've yeah. thought this through. This is a great, great that pick. That is a very strong pick. I agree as well, Logan. I 
I and I really appreciated the list that you brought up, and I appreciate that on that list you brought up Bree Stewart because that's who's winning the 2020 MVP. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I I understand the narrative with players who have these to have the level of injury that she had is that it takes time for them to get back into form. I think there's been an even more extended time off in her case. I also will say this bubble system benefits Stewie more than any other player in the league for exactly this reason. So not have to worry about high levels of travel. So not have to worry about, you know, supporting level of venues to be able to just rudimentally you know, have a, a pretty well rigid and, and regular schedule to work around to have close access to any facilities you need to support yourself. Obviously, who knows if you exacerbate injuries, you know, that's a tough case. If she stays healthy, I see her being the focal point of a Seattle Storm team that have the makings of being the best team. And the common thread that I've seen when it comes to MVPs in the WNBA is it's the best team, the best player on the best team. And as it looks right now, I could easily see that being Bree Stewart. So I'm, I'm running with Stewie on this end. That's solid. I, yeah. But I did have Asia Wilson on my list 10 minutes ago. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But I, I like, I like Stewie when all said and done. So Mike, uh, as we get to you, just to review, we've got uh, Asia Wilson was Kyle's prediction. Logan predicts Courtney Vandersloot out of Chicago. I have Bree Stewart out of Seattle. Mike, I'll kick it over to you to round this out. Who's your prediction for the 2020 MVP? Perfect. Well, I mean, I got to preface this. I'm not an expert. I'm a big fan of the wide world of women's sports, um, but no expert. But I do think Kyle won me over with his reasoning, and I got to go with Asia Wilson. I've, I've watched her play. I really love her style of play. I think she's been really dominant and impressive. I'm going with her. I like it a lot. I, the, the degree of difficulty argument benefits Asia more than almost anyone. Mm-hmm. And to say, if she can find a, a like a certain plateau of success, not having Liz Cambage to her, next to her, it, it just adds so much more potential and intrigue there. And we haven't quite seen that official breakout Asia Wilson moment quite yet. I mean, she's played mm-hmm. really well. We've seen great, but like this is that type of thing we can come to expect. So I do like the narrative quite a lot. Right. Uh, so to, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to add that, and sometimes, you know, I, I kind of forget this. They did bring in Angel McCutry, who I know will have a lot of offensive firepower, but they are out a Kelsey Plum as well. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that I just I just like that pick, Mike. I like it because it's mine, and I like it because it's yours, <laughs> and, and you're my buddy. So We're, we're, we're here together, all right? Yeah. <laughs> It started to really sound like a BB Max song. I like it because it's mine. I like it because it's yours. yours. (laughs) Just tell you back here, baby. Um, Anyway, (laughs) absolutely. Radio Disney, my friend. Guys, let's move on to what typically is probably going to be the easiest prediction of all these, except I have a feeling some of us might make it a little more uh, spicy than others. Rookie of the year. Kyle, we're gonna we're gonna stick in the same order. Which Gosh, which dang. rookie do you have taken home hardware? <sighs> oh, I, I'm I'm going with my gut. My head says something different, but I'm going with my gut. Yes, do it. <laughs> Satu Sabali is gonna oh! be bringing home the rookie of the year. I just I I think that she's gonna come in and Oh man, I don't know. It's, it's Sabrina Ionescu's to lose. If I'm going to Vegas tomorrow and I'm putting bets down, I, I think that I'm putting a lot of money on Sabrina Ionescu. That being said, I can't help get this gut feeling 
that Sabali is going to come absolutely take this league by storm over the next couple seasons and just be a, a premier player. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, why not? I, I, I really, really like uh, what I've seen from her in her three years at Oregon. And uh, yeah, I, it's hard to pin the teammates, former teammates against each other, but I got to go Sabali. I, I like when the way you brought it up with Sabali uh, is like Sabrina's to lose. And obviously like you'd put money on it almost, I know this is not what you're saying. It almost makes it sound like you're banking on Sabrina having a season ending injury. Like <laughs> I don't, I I'm not, I don't want to be ankle. putting that. Like yeah. I know you're not, I know you're don't, not. I, I, I think and you never know. The odds are against anyone, not Sabrina, but that's yes. possible. And you know what? If there's a year to kind of go for something out of the box it's this one because of the style of season that we're gonna have it, it could very well lend well to Sabali and maybe an SQ struggles through I don't know um, I don't think she will but uh, that's I, I had to go with my gut on that one all right I, I yeah no I feel it and obviously there is a narrative there for certain I don't think it's so far out of left field that it's you know you're not digging into the like the third round which may very well <laughs> yeah. be what Logan's about to do so we'll see uh that said Logan who do you got for rookie deer no uh it's it's gonna be Sabrina and I I'm gonna pick Sabrina and I even though I I do acknowledge Kyle's side of things where this is such a good rookie class and there are definitely avenues where I could design a way that you know, other rookies could win it. It is going to be Sabrina. I think even in a league where Asia Wilson came in and was obviously WNBA ready, I think Sabrina will be the most WNBA ready rookie we've seen in a really long. Um, she's she's not going to be phased by the big stage. I don't think she's even going to be particularly bothered by having a brand new team to work with. I mean, she does not have a lot of a lot of great tools or great situation that she's coming into, but they're essentially going to build with her as the foundation. And she knows that's the plan. Uh, and as Steve has brought up a couple times, maybe it's better for a team that doesn't know any better to, to go in with a legit star rookie and just win some games they shouldn't. Um, and maybe the mentality of that team will be, you know, nobody expects us to do anything. So Let's go shock the world, that sort of thing. More than anything, I, I'm convinced that it's going to be her because her numbers will be, like, in the atmosphere. It, like, there, there's not a lot of other people on that team that I think is going to gobble up possessions the way she will. Uh, and so when it comes down to it, I think she will have the point totals and the assist totals and everything she needs to win the award, even though I don't expect the Liberty to be a particularly good team. This more than almost any other year, it's it's hard to like, like me, does it feel lazy you, making uh, that pick, you know? But it, I, I don't me, know. Let me tell you one thing that did actually influence this decision. I know if I don't pick Sabrina, that for the next 10 years of this podcast, Steve will remind me. <laughs> <laughs> and I would I would rather pick Sabrina and be wrong than not pick her and be reminded that I didn't pick Sabrina Jonas. If we learned anything about the response we got from South Carolina, the one time we didn't have Asia Wilson in our weekly rookie of the week nominations, the one time South Carolina blew up. About. Yeah. It's all them green shirts and Eugene. You need to be worried about. Forget. They'll come for you. If you stiff their favorite player, people do, and and WA fans are cool. Like the WNBA fan bases are all chill with each other for the most part, but college fan bases, yeah, it, we it, heard it about it for months from South Carolina. In their heart and in their soul, 
And she Kyle's had like great. She had like an average week, and there was Kyle's four other players who had with, great, and it was yeah, rough. Kyle's gonna get away with his Sabali pick because Oregon. She's also from Oregon. Yeah, I hedged my bets there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, why didn't you pick? Sp-? Oh, <laughs> you're like. Well, would you, uh, but you would have went with Sabrina if not her, right? No, maybe I'd have gone for Ruthie Hebert. Hey, how did you? Oh. (laughs) If you've been listening to the show, you know I I expect a lot from Ruthie Hebert this year, from Ty Harris, from Sabali. Um, We all like Bella Allery, but I got to go Sabrina, and I, I suspect that I will not be the only one. Okay, before I get to my selection, I gotta say, I'm shocked Kyle didn't, I was expecting Kyle to say Kennedy Carter. I like the Sabali pick. <laughs> I'm not selecting Kennedy Carter, but I, I have to acknowledge that that's a high value pick and, and it has some high potential. But guys, it must be Friday because I'm going with the teenage witch, Sabrina <laughs> <and> <laughs> See, In my head here, it's very similar. It's to me, it would take a monumental effort and a monumental collapse uh, for this to not be Sabrina's award. And there's yep. a lot of there's a lot of evidence I've seen that tell me that she has the readiness to make this work. First and foremost, I think what Logan brought up earlier is perfect. She's technically played WNBA talent. And yes, she was surrounded by a very talented Oregon team. And yes, she was playing a national team that probably wasn't going at full bore 100%, if you want to make that claim. That said, she faced up against the best the WNBA had to offer, dropped a 30-piece, and beat the U.S. national team. I think that holds some level of water. I'll say a non-basketball thing that stands out to me as well, and I know some people don't like when you bring up like a random non-basketball story and why it matters, but I think this does matter because with Sabrina, so much about this is how heavily she's being hyped, how much of the marketing machine is being put behind her how Mm -hmm. much she is already being put on the stage when she's never played a single minute of WNBA basketball Kobe Bryant's memorial happened there were so many high-level people who spoke at his public memorial at the Staples Center Rob Palenka Lakers GM and longtime agent and best friend to Kobe Bryant Michael Jordan Shaquille O'Neal Jimmy Kimmel led the thing the, you had Alicia Keys, you had uh, Christina Aguilera sing at that event. You, and then you had women's basketball. That's of course, Gino Ariyama, legendary coach. And of course, Kobe and Gigi are very tied to UConn. So the reasons for that, Dana Taurasi known as the white Mamba very much through a lot of her career. One specific individual who was asked to speak at this event, an individual who flew to this event, then flew to, I believe it was Cal to become the first player to average uh, to re- register a thousand in in three stat columns in college was Sabrina Ionescu, who in her early twenties hadn't even finished college yet, stood in front front of millions of people across the nation and thousands of very highly emotional people, and gave a very moving address in support of a friend, two friends, many fr- who inspired and cared about her that she had to say goodbye to, and she did it with poise, and she did it in a way where people really knew. I can't forget this name. I don't like making a correlation of a traumatic event to someone's performance. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is she's put in a very high-pressure situation there and, and found a way to thrive. Turned around, went and played a game and made history that very same night. I truly feel like she thrives on that idea. We see, you hear this from a lot of players, right? But I feel like she's someone that's excited to take on the attention and the pressure and someone who's looking 
to excel upon that. So I think it just goes beyond someone that has a lot of hype and it's theirs to lose, though that's true. Uh, I think this is someone that we're going to see even more out of that and time will just have to tell. So uh, unfortunately, Mike, I don't know if there's any other TGIF puns that can lead you to a rookie selection, uh, <laughs> but but I'll pass it your way anyway. Uh, who, who do you have tapped for rookie of the year? I, I, I mean, I can't top that. Of course, Sabrina. I mean, I'm I'm living in Oregon. I can't explain how crazy people went watching her and her team. She's the real deal. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Obviously, it's Sabrina. Yeah, I think there's we've said about as much as we can, and we probably will say a little bit more because that's just how the season's going to go. Uh, so uh, we've got three selections for Sabrina Nescu. Kyle is I'm the is lone walking wolf. against the grain, standing <laughs> standing out in the crowd, being his own individual with Satu Savali. Either way, we apparently just really like that Oregon team. Dang shame that they didn't get a chance to make a run in the tournament. Uh, yeah. That's a different, different discussion for a different day. We're going to move things along to Coach of the Year. Kyle, I'm going to kick it over to you. Okay. Um, I really I, – I don't know if I'm I, – I, you can't say confident in any of, uh, of the coaches right now no. because of just what's going on, but I feel really good about this pick. I think that this year's coach of the year is going to be Marianne Stanley uh, for the fever. I think that she's got a, a squad that has really struggled the last couple seasons. And I think that they are primed to turn a lot of heads this year. Um, they have a lot of pieces that are that really towards the end of last year started to come together. I love what we were seeing from Kelsey Mitchell and Tierra McCowan late in, late in the 2019 season. They picked up Lauren Cox, who is going to be, I think, I think Lauren Cox was maybe the safest bet. We didn't even bring her up in our rookie of the year discussion. She maybe have been the safest bet selection, um, which I think that if you're going to go with, <laughs> with Indiana, uh, that's just kind of how they've been. They're just, we're going to, we're going to make a safe bet here. We're just going to slowly rebuild and they've been in a constant rebuild, but ever since catching's retired, they've been in this constant rebuild. I think that this is finally the year and it's a perfect scenario for them in kind of a weird season to maybe turn a few heads and I could see them as high as like a five seed. Um, and I think that doing that with, uh, you know, with, with this squad, I think is going to bring a really solid case for Marianne Stanley to win coach of the year. She won it several seasons ago, back in, I believe 2002, 2003 with the Mystics. Uh, and so I know she's got it in her and, uh, and I like, I like her fit with this organization and with this squad. So, uh, there's my pick. That is a very savvy pick that I actually had not thought of. That is, is that, that going to affect your, is that going to affect your selection or no? <laughs> okay. Well, Thanks like for the compliment. He's like, Oh, that was really good. I really like we've talked a little bit about the fever and how we we think they're on a good trajectory and if if who they are is what we saw at the end of last season they are going to be very good we should have a podcast okay. where we talk about this <laughs> <laughs> all right Logan all that noted who do you got I'm gonna go with my dude James Wade uh I feel like I have to whenever we do these predictions I have to make picks that make sense with one another mm -hmm. if I'm gonna be that high on Vandersloot's performance and and Chicago being, as you said with Bree Stewart, if she's the best player on the best team and Chicago is the best team, I think James Wade is going to have uh, his his uh, name, his hat in the ring very early on for the Coach of the Year discussion. Yep. So uh, just could easily, could easily see it going a different way. I don't think there's a an award in sports that I disagree with more frequently across every pro league 
Then I'd agree with that. <laughs> uh, it often goes to the coach of the team with the best record, not the coach who does the most with the least, which is what I think it should go to. Uh, but I, I really like James Wade. I like how excited he was for the draft this year. I think Chicago's got something special. And uh, in keeping with that theme, he's my pick. Okay, so just to be clear, you're predicting James Wade to be the first repeat coach of the year since Van Chancellor when the league first started. Indeed. Okay. I, I actually it. think the narrative is interesting because I would say over the last three years, the narrative of most with the least is actually true because it was James Wade, Nikki Collin, Kurt Miller in the last three years. I actually think there's a real narrative oh, of... And, and maybe this affects it a little bit, but I don't think Chicago comes in as the number two power ranked team like a lot of people have them. Um, I think they will end up... well. I'll, I'll tell you where I think they end up later, but I, I see them as being like four or five going into the season and then escalating above that. And considering I have them going further this year than they went last year, I, I don't think it's outrageous to say he could win it, but I hear what you're saying. I if, think you're right. I think a lot of people have this team is that they're the best team. Then maybe it's, it's not fair to give it to them for having like the most to work. With. That makes sense. Cause I, I think that a lot of people have the storm. They've got the sp- uh, the sparks, the mercury, like those are all on a lot of people's minds, you yeah. know, um, even the sun, you know, with, with Dewana Bonner, even though they're out John Quill Jones, they have Dewana Bonner. You could make an argument there. I think that Chicago is quietly poised for a, a really solid season. So I, I like your, I, I like your logic. Yeah. I think I'm interested because I, the only difficulty with it is, and maybe people are just going to have this wherewithal is just, we haven't had a repeat coach of the year in, in 20 years. So it'd be interesting to see if there's enough of that run but if there's someone who's capable of it i think i think james wade has definitely brought the winning mentality back to the sky most definitely and you can see evidence of that through what players say about him and what he says about the team and there's a lot to be evident there i'm going with degree of difficulty big time i think the coach of the year is going to be gary kloppenberg yes the storm are right now pound for pound the best roster gary kloppenberg is not hired as the head coach at seattle storm he at the very last minute is being moved into a head coaching role if he can help maintain this team's ability to be the best team in the league i i think that a puts him in the running for that discussion but b most importantly when it comes to these types of words sets the narrative for him to win the award uh whether or not you believe that he deserves it because it was the best roster they were going to win anyway i think it gets the story in people's heads enough that they make that selection uh i think gary kloppenberg is is a phenomenal coach i hope that his performance propels him into an actual head coaching position somewhere uh where it would be well deserving because i I think he has that in him yeah that's the direction i see it i I see it working out pretty well on on his end yeah i could see that for sure. Um, almost not not undeservingly, but as you said, it kind of sets up a romantic story arc from the start of the season yeah. if he's able to step in and get that team back to winning. Because we talk about stories the last two years of Coach of the Year, it's kind of been that story of new coach comes in, overperforms, gets a team beyond what we expected. You're the difference maker based on you being the higher, so... So here's your opportunity. And I feel a similar narrative there, but I think that idea of we know what Dan Hughes is capable of, right? He's a Hall of Fame level coach and and Gary needs to step in and maintain that. I think it's a good narrative there. So so Mike, uh, to, to run in from there, I feel like we're give, always giving him like, here's the quick review. Uh, so <laughs> Gary Kloppenberg out of Seattle, Barry and Stanley out of Indiana. We've got James Wade, you know, obviously lots of other opportunities across the board. Derek Fisher in Los Angeles, Sandy Brondello in Phoenix, of course, the great Cheryl Reeve and 
in Minnesota. Mike Tebow won a championship, didn't win coach of the year last year. So a lot of different ways that you can. Uh, Lambeer and the Aces, which is something I bounced around a yep. little bit. So lots of different options, Mike. Who do you have for coach of the year? Okay. Um, I am going out on a limb and going with Kurt Miller, Connecticut Sun. Boom. I thought they yeah. pretty pretty solid season last year. And I know he's won before, so the potential's there. Mike, there's a phrase that the the Connecticut Sun, Seattle Sun, come on, Steve, the Connecticut Sun seem to get more than any other team. Kyle, I, I want to see if you can read my mind. Do you know what the phrase is? Um, well, uh, as far as what we say about them often is that <laughs> like media, I've heard common, I've heard commentary say this about the Sun. Uh, you know, a lot of teams, but I feel like the Sun more than any other team. Uh, just that they're kind of disrespected and they're they're always way better than you than they have any business being. You're you're correct. We're not we're not I guess we're not thinking on the same brainwave. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> you know, for the heck of it, Logan, I'm gonna give you a chance to guess. Uh Kurt Miller is a winner. Kurt Miller is a winner. <laughs> both, both very good answers. I think more than any other team, the Sun are commonly called the most well coached team in the league. Yeah. Interesting. I, I hear yes. that phrase all the time for Connecticut. And I think it speaks to Kurt Miller's ability. He's one of those selections that, like, you almost can't count him out. Cheryl yeah. Miller's probably the other one. Gosh dang it, Cheryl, Cheryl Reed. Reed. <laughs> yeah, you had Kurt Miller and Cheryl Reed. You, if you said Anytime Cheryl I Miller, talk about Kurt Miller and then I talk about Cheryl Reed, I say I'm, Cheryl Miller. Let me tell you what happened to me physiologically when Mike said Kurt Miller. I felt in my body that he was right. <laughs> see, like, oh, see you know i'm i'm a total total amateur but i think he's total amateur he's gonna have the most correct category just because like we've said over and over again no matter which pieces he's missing or which pieces he has he will find a way to be there at the end of the season like he he will be in contention one way or another as we've been mentioning i think especially if he's you know without john quill jones if he gets his team back to you know, competing for a championship again, I think even more reason to look his way for coach of the year. He might, he makes that case of doing the most with the least. If he makes another deep run, I mean, and he's missing his, you know, uh, all near MVP player. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that's fair. It's, it's obviously deeper than just, oh, well, they, you know, they almost got there last year. They're a great team. It's like, well, they, they're going to have to play completely different basketball this without mm-hmm. their anger. He's got a very different squad. He's missing, he's he's lost several players. He's missing a player and he's brought in another big name player and he's got to be able to put it together. But yeah. if anybody can, it's Kurt. We like yeah. Kurt. Yeah, we're, we're you, you might call us Kurt fans here at the show. In a lot of ways. We're going to move things over to our final individual award, the defensive player of the year. I can only speak for me, but I feel like there's some agreeance amongst the group. This is the hardest one for me to figure out, and it often is. A lot of reasons behind it. Uh, but Kyle, I'm going to kick it over to you, your DPOI selection. Uh, selection for – I've literally changed this like seven times tonight. Same. Um, I, I've had the hardest time with this one, but I'm going to go with, we've had repeats in the past with this. I'm going to repeat again, Natasha Howard as the defensive player of the year. Um, I, I literally, I I mean, last season, obviously there was no Stewie. There was minimal bird, uh, basically no bird. Um, And Natasha Howard stepped up big time and was kind of really kind of became the face of that franchise. You had Jewel Lloyd and you had Jordan Canada, you had Alicia Clark, but Natasha Howard, she was really the story coming out of Seattle last year. And I think that nobody in the league is going to uh, overlook her again, but I still think she's going to be putting up 
the numbers. I love that Stewie's kind of that stretch four, and I think Natasha Howard really can uh, can lock down the interior, even though she's an undersized uh, big in the league. I, I really, really like her motor. I like that she uh, just is she's so aggressive when she goes for rebounds and she's just a she's just a savant when it comes to to block shots i love what i see from natasha howard i just don't want to overthink it and i'm going to repeat her as this year's i i like that i'm interested to see how much that solidifies by sharing the court with with brie with brie yeah that's kind of a question mark yeah it yeah it really could because with Bree coming off an injury, there may be a case where we need you to take on the defensive load to mm-hmm. support Stewie so that she can focus her energy and her leg on on scoring. You know, there's very high potential for that. Logan, your thoughts? I believe until she retires, my pick for this <laughs> is going to be the same every year. I love it. And it's Brittany Griner. Yeah. Because I think at her ceiling, at her best, she is the most physically dominant player on the floor. Um, I, I hear the Natasha Howard argument. I considered her strongly. Uh, I, I thought about some other fringe players, but ultimately I, I do feel like Phoenix is getting a little slept on this offseason. I think everyone agrees they're going to be good, but no one has them as the favorite. No one has their players as front runners anymore. And I think they will soak that up and deliver awesome performances in this short sprint to the playoffs. And I trust Brittany Griner to be at her best in that kind of short burst of uh of a season we're due for here so you know four good weeks of defensive Brittany Griner is is enough to to lock up that award I think for her third time I think so. I think you're right on. checking right now boom boom uh uh yeah two-time defensive player of the year 2014-2015 see in the in a normal edited episode I would confidently be like for the third time and that's all you get but you're getting, <laughs> you're getting it raw <laughs> <laughs> love it I like I, it. Uh, I, I'll I'll say this. I said I've changed this seven times. I had Brittany Grinder down two different times. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's it's a good uh, pick. I've gone through this way too many times to the point that like I could change it again. Like I've thought about changing it again since we've started talking about the award, and I won't let myself. <laughs> I I'm I'm going with with a, a first timer. The reason for this is we're talking about a. Former champion, a former MVP, a former four-time All-NBA First Team, a Rookie of the Year, an All-Rookie Team Selector, which makes sense if you're the Rookie of the Year, and a five-time All-Defensive player, but has Uh. basically the award that has eluded Neka Ogumike is Defensive Player of the Year, and I expect it to happen this season. That's crazy. She's a five-time all-defensive player, four-time first, including last season. Uh, last season, if my numbers – I don't I actually don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, unfortunately. But uh, I believe top she was top 10 in defensive rebounds, top 10 in steals, um, and is a guiding force. And I think is one of those players that if, if you're sharing the court with a player like Simone Augustus who has some scoring ability and has some defensive chops, I think allows her the floor – to to make that happen more i talked about this with stewie i think as a team the uh bubble situation might help and support the sparks about as much as any team um mm. with, with their needs and with neck i think it's a strong ability for her. on top of that it's kind of that one award that's kind of skipped her up until this point and i'm i, I think it's prime time we saw neck win defense play of the year i i love that pick actually i i think that la 
be, they almost get this opposite treatment that be, in a lot of other professional sports, LA kind of gets boosted up because they're the big name team. I feel like people almost downplay LA in the WNBA and I'm probably guilty of it. I think that they seem to always have these big names. Um, now it's been a few seasons since we've seen them in the finals, but I love that pick. Like she's only what, two, three Three or four years? No, three or four years away from winning MVP, and I I really like it. I yeah. yeah um, totally fair. By the way, I want to say I actually short sold Neka Gumake last season. She was third in defensive rebounding, fifth in steals. So I yeah, I think the narrative's there. It's just it's it's getting the pasta and the bull. We'll just have to see what happens. <laughs> uh, the one thing I have to say before we get to Mike, because I forgot to mention this with Kyle. Um, you had a comment that I have to capitalize on really quick. Can we please start a band called Minimal Bird? <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. i think we have to as i heard you use that phrase and i was like "Ooh, that's good like minimal bird 90s alternative like college I band. like i feel like when rem named their band like minimal bird was on the list but they went with rem instead <laughs> mike we've we've got Brittany grainer natasha howard and neko gumake who do you have to have for defense player of the year yeah so i had been throwing around a couple names but logan convinced me i mean Brittany Griner's just the definition of a great defensive player absolutely talk about mike there you go when in doubt griner out that's how you seriously griner's <laughs> griner's getting a lot griner's getting a lot of rub across media for a potential mvp vote as well i've heard that from uh, a few constituents i want to say rebecca lobo is one uh that that see a lot of potential in griner to pull that together which that's, obviously would be awesome uh, that's a good pick mike i a smart person i know once said i like it because it's mine uh, <laughs> i like it because it's yours i like it because it's yours i love that. i love that that's the phrase that's making it out of <laughs> uh, bb mac i'll and, be expecting royalties and, with, so. and when we talk about rookie of the year with the exclusion of kyle i like it because it's ours <laughs> all of us except for kyle love it. Watch, watch Sabali win the Rookie of the Year, and then he just sends all of us pies to throw in our face. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, make the, I'll make that. There you have it. Uh, this is Rookie of the Year. I will pie myself. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> this is our final WNBA selection before we move on to some NWSL discussion selection to close this thing out. Like we said, lots of discussion. Super fun. Uh, we've gone through the individual awards. I'm just going to cut straight to it. Kyle, who is the 2020 WNBA champ? I'm not overthinking this. I'm not going to overexplain it. It's going to be the Seattle Storm. Boom. We basically have their entire team back from when they won it very convincingly in 2018. And uh, there's no reason to go anywhere else. Seattle's taking this. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say at this point. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> they've had the best luck in terms of, of having their roster put together. Their top players are still intact. Yeah, I yeah. made my first pick with my gut. Or I made I made my rookie of the year pick with my gut over my head. My championship pick is both my gut and my head. So there you go, Seattle Storm all the way. Gotta love that gut head. That's gut stuff. head. Very good. Very Other good. that's they they're they're opening for minimal bird next weekend. Actually, <laughs> love it. That's that's good stuff right there. Virtual, I assume. Um, yeah, over Zoom. Yeah, of course. Logan, who's taking it? Uh, Seattle. Uh, <laughs> I I think you can argue a lot of teams can win it. I think Seattle will win it and I will go one step further and say that they will beat the Chicago sky in the finals and Jewel Lloyd will be the finals MVP. Woo. I like the spice. That's a lot of, that's what a I lot. Got. There's a lot happening there and I appreciated <laughs> that single prediction was pretty awesome. That's a whole lot. 
I guess I'm going to be different, everyone. We have two teams all time, I think, with four championships. The links mm-hmm. in the comments. It's going to also be the Sparks at the end of the season. Oh, I thought you might. I Yeah. Okay. I, I think outside of Seattle, which, by the way, Seattle pick makes total sense, and I had them written down at one point. If there's any other team that, like I said, benefits the most from this bubble scenario, it is the Sparks. Uh, I think it allows Candace Parker the mobility to to play at her full best every single night she takes the court. I think it allows Nick Ogumike to play dominant basketball. I think it allows a coach like Derek Fisher, who really needs team morale, to potentially put all of that together. It it puts Simone Augustus in the best potential to link fiber-wise with her team as closely as possible and really become a huge piece there. I think while they lost a lot of key pieces, they lost, you know, Shanae Ogubike and Christy Tolliver. Tolliver was not a huge, uh, was really a huge influence factor behind Washington's championship last season due to her availability and injuries and whatnot. Um, and Shanae obviously is a tough bitch. She's a big rebounding support and an overall great player. Obviously so much fun to watch with her sister at the same time. But overall, I like that depth. I think there's high potential to it. I think if there's any team that could unseat the Sparks or unseat the Storm, it it could very well be the Sparks. And so that's, I expect to see uh, an LA Seattle final. And, and I'm going to give it to the Sparks. And that scares the crap out of me. Because I just <laughs> don't that, know. You know what's crazy? Because when you said they're going to be a four-time champion. In my mind, I'm thinking that also applies to Seattle and Phoenix. I think that probably my top three teams, yeah. like if I'm betting, right? If I'm going to Las Vegas and there's betting odds, I'm betting Seattle, Las, uh, Seattle, LA, and Phoenix are probably Vegas's top teams to win it this season. And all three of them have three championships currently oh ooh. yeah i do find well let's let's hit mike's prediction first and then i'll see if the observation <laughs> remains the same so we've got the storm storm of the sparks what do you think mike you know i i gotta go with uh kyle's gut and kyle's head yes. Going with the storm mike's in with the gut head <laughs> <laughs> that's and the he, big he, name i want is, <laughs> is that taken <laughs> and he likes the gut because it's yours and he likes the head because it's his <laughs> Uh, now i'm the odd one out that's weird uh it doesn't feel good at all it feels bad even um no i think uh if it'll make you feel better i'll i'll say uh i'll say an la seattle final there you go i'll take it i'll take it the storm there was an article i saw recently that specifically tabbed that the storm could be putting together it what they were quoted as the best wma roster of all time that's how much expectations coming out of the stadium all time (laughs) best uh, roster of all time i I, th- I think they're the most obvious front runner to win it that we've seen since we started the show yeah which which is saying a lot because this is also the craziest season by far that we've right, right. seen yeah. so, also, who knows both set of circumstances but yeah exactly but do it. yeah it's just the dust settled and that's how it came to be if if mm-hmm. If if we had a Mystics team with Lana Delda on a team to Charles, different discussion. If we had John Quill Jones in Connecticut, different discussion. Especially if we had uh, Liz Cambage in Vegas, totally different discussion. This is one of those teams that their heavy, heavy core has remained the same. The Sparks have a lot to bring to this discussion. A lot of people are going to be mad that we didn't include Phoenix here because I think they bring in a lot of discussion, but... 
I did that on purpose. Every time I pick them to win it, they go out in like the first round. (laughs) Yeah. I thought about choosing them just out of like, he's not going to choose them. So I'll do it and we'll just see how it goes. Maybe maybe I did it. Maybe I'm I'm pulling the reverse jinx. I know you're, I know you're listening to DT's bun. I know you're listening. (laughs) The storm. I got you. I got your back again. According to the database that Adnilo put together with the W Hoops blog, the storm lose all of Kichaloxa who opted to stay overseas until next season. And she wasn't, she hadn't been with the team before anyway. Um, this is a team that all, you're taking on Morgan Tuck. Gosh, dang it. I keep looking at this roster. And I'm like, did I make the right move? Um, <laughs> I look at this roster and I think, how do they not win? <laughs> like, By losing. So good. That's how you it's do it. So good. Um, yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. Of course, exciting at that. And so that's our official predictions for the WNBA season. Let's take a few minutes before we call this out and talk some NWSL one last time before our official crossover episode is all done and dusted. We had two semifinal matchups for the Challenge Cup, and we had a quarterfinal that saw a grand total of one regulation goal. Across we walk out of the semifinals <laughs> across eight teams. We walk out of the semifinal with six regulation goals. Something about playing on grass, I guess, Mike. I think that's it. I think they, uh, you know, got out of the the facility. You know, they got out from the glare. The playground's no longer there. They get into Rio Tinto Stadium, and the goals just fall. And 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 Kyle and Logan, I'm not sure how much of the Challenge Cup you watched. I, mean, you, I know you watched some, so you would probably know. Like that glare was no joke. It was. Yeah, that was that kind was of less than uh, less than ideal for sure. Yeah, it was it was something else. Yeah, to have. A diplomatic way of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that because yeah, as a as a big supporter of the facilities. <laughs> yeah, but having, yes, having it was... been having been to Zions Bank Stadium myself. It's yeah, it's nice, but at the same time it's it's got its pieces and i did yeah. bring up and i know i know kyle you know this that the the twitter chatter was you know of course the the nwsl playground is gone there is a perfectly good functioning playground at rio tinto stadium it's just quite a trek to get yeah. to it <laughs> you gotta you gotta do it do a half marathon so in your goal celebration yeah. that's right <laughs> a lot of extra time that i don't think refs want to approve so my sons played on that playground loved it big fan oh. huge oh yeah you know got on yelp love the playground five stars um, <laughs> yeah how do you rate a playground like this slide was sick five stars that's well, like you have, yeah there's a really strong you know static versus temperature you know ver- versus friction you, they got to balance equally on the slides so i think um that's good criteria i think henry my son's uh comprehensive review was had fun <laughs> five stars <laughs> Five stars. If I go look up that place in Seattle we went after the storm game, am I gonna find a one star rating that's like did not have fun? (laughs) You you bet your weirdly twisted knee that you're gonna see one. Can we not talk about this? I'm a 31 year old man who nearly blew his knee up on a slide. (laughs) Made a lot of life changes since then. Done a lot of yoga. Anyway. Really quick, uh, just from the group, I, I know we, we said that this, of course, the Houston Dash defeat Portland Thorns 1-0 in the semifinal. This comes after Portland has a late victory over the heavy tournament favorite, North Carolina Courage. Houston beat the Royals on PKs. And and this goal was in itself a strange anomaly. We had a header up post, 
Eckerstrom, uh, obviously, you know, fell to the ground off of that save off, off the crossbar. That led to Rachel Daly getting a quick header into goal, and that ended up being the difference maker. Any general responses to, to the overall result here? Just any thoughts about how this matchup panned out? Well, yeah, it was interesting. Houston was definitely the best they've looked throughout the tournament. I mean, they were aggressive. Their press really threw off uh, Portland's tempo, I guess. And, you know, Rachel Daly should get a lot of credit for and the driving force behind the dash. But I think the unsung hero is uh, Nichelle Prince. Her, both her and Sophie Schmidt uh, really, I, I think, gave a lot of energy to that Houston team that pretty much outdid the Thorns throughout the match, especially in the first half. Before we move into the final prediction, let's do hit the Chicago Sky Blue matchup because this one was absolutely exciting. We went there were the weeks yeah. without that. That's where they happened. We went legitimately weeks without seeing a first half goal. Well, outside of Sky Blue and, and the courage through the entire quarterfinal, a good chunk of the open round of play, not seeing that that first half going zero zero pretty much with general consistency and Bianca St. George walked into the semifinal and said, screw that eight minutes in drops the score. Three minutes later, Rachel Hill with, with a goal. This became a two nothing matchup. And then right after just 15 minutes after the second half, Savannah McCaskill sets up a three zero lead for the red stars. But what's amazing is that this became a game well before long. Uh, yeah. VN's dropping in a score to make it three one. This is fun to look at on the box score. Julie Ertz with a sky blue logo next to her, technically an own goal that came off of uh, what appeared to be a cross from Midge Purse. Purse, yeah. Uh, yeah. And all of a sudden it was a one score game. Sky blue is aggressive through the, through the final whistle and Chicago ended up with this one. This after a semifinal or a quarterfinal, that only saw one regulation goal had to go to three PKs after a one score game with Houston and Portland. I thought it was it was very refreshing to end and move into the final game on a, on a match that was as exciting as this one. It was huge. I mean, every, we had talked so much about the the scoring drought, and then five in a single match, and even in this match, it was a roller coaster because the Red Stars dropping two goals in the first eleven minutes. That was double what was in the entire quarterfinals. At that point, you think, okay, wow, this just started and it's practically over. And then McCaskill adds that third goal. Really, really good setup. And you think, okay, now it's really over. Um, but Sky Blue stayed in it and pushed their way to the point that it got really competitive, especially after that Midge Purse forced own goal on Julie Ertz. They were really pushing for that uh, equalizer right up until the last whistle. If I gleaned anything from this matchup above anything, one is I'm not going to lean into three goals and say Chicago absolutely gets this win because who the heck knows. The other side of it is if there's a team that I think has benefited the most without the winning aspect of it, it's sky blue. I think they walk into the next time we see play happen, whether it be the 2021 season or potentially something thrown together beforehand. I think the team that to me garners some of the most attention is this sky blue squad. This is a sky blue squad that doesn't have Mal Pugh, doesn't have Carly Lloyd, made their way into a very competitive semifinal matchup when absolutely nobody expected them to. And it came off of energy. It came off of aggression and it came off of solid team soccer. I think it's something to absolutely uh, hang your hat on. And, and I'm excited to, to see where it comes from there so that that was really what probably the biggest thing that i gleaned there we're gonna go ahead and move forward to this final matchup of course the chicago red stars the houston dash for challenge cup glory i was gonna say gold but i don't think the trophies 
gold uh but we're gonna say challenge cup glory <laughs> obviously a lot of excitement here there's a lot that we can talk about in terms of matchups i think we've seen just about everything we can see and say obviously rachel daly has been a force offensively throughout this whole thing health is going to be interesting it'll be interesting to see you know are we going to see casey short are we going to see shea groom you know who are those players and individuals mike from your perspective first and foremost are there any particular kickers or factors or anything most particularly you're looking out for as we we check out this final i think it comes down to whether chicago can control houston's tempo because the thorns uh really struggled against that in their match and Portland and Chicago are teams that have been hit the hardest with the injury bug, you know, missing so many key players. But Chicago was able to put the goals in, and they they proved that even though they're missing players, um, they've got such a deep roster that so many different um, options are available. I think it comes down to whether they can control Houston's well-established game plan. Dash came out of this potentially being the fastest team in this entire tournament, and it definitely showed its colors in a lot of ways here. This is another one, much like anything that comes, you might say this is the matchup of the two best keepers in this entire tournament. I think, you know, Sheridan was one that I also added to that. I obviously had a rough go tonight, but I think, it's, uh, you know, you're looking at Campbell, who has been incredibly good. You've had a listener who has played up to brand and been fantastic, even though her celebrations would tell you otherwise. <laughs> celebrates in a way that says, please don't give me attention. I don't think I played that well, but it's a little, you know, you're not the Alyssa Nair's face yeah. is just the definition of intensity. Like you quarter, just don't mess with her in a match. The quarterfinal celebration gift might be my favorite image still of the entire tournament. It really made all of it for me. <laughs> it was too good, way too good. Friends, there's a lot to dive in on this let me just say before we jump into our final prediction of this episode the nwsl challenge cup final rio tinto stadium sandy utah the first professional league championship to be awarded in in the year since at least all of the craziness has gone down houston dash red stars 12 30 p.m eastern 9 30 uh, a.m. I think we'll said p.m. That's a weird time zone switch. 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific, CBS, America's most watched network. You can watch LL Cool J on a crime show or something. I know there's <laughs> other shows on that network. What's on there? NCIS, St. Louis, uh, lots of shows. Survivor. But who cares? The Amazing Race. But whatever about any of those, you want to watch the Challenge Cup on CBS network, 12 p.m. Eastern on sunday july 26th i like that i'm just giving all of the general logistics so we can get into it but we've got the one two and one houston dash against the one two and one chicago red stars we're gonna go ahead and go in around like before mike i'm gonna kick this to you first and then we're gonna kick it over to the Kyle and logan respectively mike from your perspective after we have watched so many a soccer game in the state of utah over the last month officially who is going to be the inaugural Challenge Cup champion. I am giving this to the Chicago Red Stars. I was, I had a lot of questions seeing just how the injuries were stacking up against them. No Casey Short, no Yuki Nagasato, no Alyssa Motts, no Morgan Gautreaux. But you know what? They came in and scored two goals in the first 11 minutes in their semifinal. Third beautiful goal. They find, they've found ways to make it happen. They were in the championship last year. I... They're, they're a solid roster. They're adaptable, good coaching. I, I think they win this. I'm going to say 2-1 scoreline. I like it. I two you know two one solid. Um, gosh, this is such a weird one to predict. I'm not even sure what I'm going to do as I'm thinking about it, but I'm going to kick it over to Kyle and Logan to make them deal with the pain first. Kyle, 
It's based on based on all the discussion, based on everything we've seen over the last month. Who's, um, who's taking home hardware? I'm taking Houston because, and not for a way that, not for a reason that I think a lot of Houston people are going to appreciate. I feel like Houston just is that thing that never, like that you can never get rid of. They just find a way to advance in the most sometimes frustrating and ugly ways. And I think that they just because that's how this year's been that's how you know this challenge cup is just kind of a just kind of a representation of just some of the chaos that has happened um in our everyday lives i think that houston's just gonna find a way to get it done and squeak through on a one nil victory one nil victory i I like it we've got a houston vote we've got a chicago vote logan what do you think this is uh... (laughs) i've been listening to you this whole time going back and forth on how i feel about this because Typically, I would go with a team I feel like is going in strong. Um, and I feel a little bit like, as, as Mike mentioned, like Chicago is deep, but they are injured. And I did feel like they had to hold on a little bit. But I don't want to take an orange Houston team in any championship anytime soon. because, <laughs> And I, I really do think Chicago has uh, the horses to get it done. Uh, I think it's going to be on the defense, though. I think it's going to be a 1-0 Chicago win. I can't believe I'm doing this, but... The thing is, oh, I know where I'm, you're I'm, going. I'm going. I'm going with the dash as well because here's the thing. I I lived in Houston for two years. I have respect for Houston. After the last twenty years, ever since obviously the the Houston Comets won four championships in a row and the drought that Houston's been on, it's time that Houston finally deservedly won a championship that doesn't include sign stealing. I I think it's time that a trash canless piece of hardware is there for them and they have a non asterisk related championship to their name. And also I said this early on, when we watched the first line of games at the very beginning of this tournament, when we really thought that this was going to be a run Houston makes, I really thought Houston or that, you know, North Carolina was going to make a run. I said Houston was the one team I saw who I thought could potentially give them the biggest run for their money. Washington was also in that discussion. But the firepower that Houston was bringing was very strong. I think Rachel Daly is is potentially the most dangerous scorer in the league right now. Shea Groom still has the goal of the tournament, and and I I stand by that. Uh, Jane Campbell has been phenomenal in the net. I expect it out of them. But honestly, the second motivation I have for this, Mike, is because we agreed previously that the championship game in our predictions contest, the uh, Apple War, the championship game would be five point predictions. The score currently, Mike. To, your, to to my benefit, but potentially to yours, is, uh, Mike, you have 14 points. I have 19 points. Oh, okay. If the Chicago Red Stars win this, that will effectively tie up this hey. matchup. And I have no idea how Let's... we're going to tie break it, but we'll okay. figure it out. I, I really, yeah, Chicago's got to come through for me. So this is everything that's on the line. This is This is between pride and glory and you having to send me apples. There's a lot dance there so i for the sake of competition for the the apples have never been higher on the tree apple tree what other tree would they be on don't pick an apple off a peach tree that's not going to be a good apple it's probably going to be a very bad peach actually is what it is that was a weird what place i went down so the sake of for competition that's how we're taking things so we've got this is perfect we've got two selections for houston two selections for chicago we'll have to see how that goes and that's everything we have for our crossover special as we head into a huge week and weekend for women's sports. Uh, how are we feeling? We've done a lot of talking. This was feeling a blast. good. Excited. I loved having. I loved having this episode. Like this was Ooh, good. Times. A lot of fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love this. I loved having Mike on. I love being able to do some NWSL WNBA crossover as the one is wrapping up and the other one's kicking off. I just, just, I'm loving all of it. I'm stoked. Really, really uh, enjoyed uh, this just all the way around. I, I enjoy this. I enjoy all of you. Let's all be friends. Kumbaya. Let's do it. We should do a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh crap. Have we not been recording? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It says recording at the top of the zoom. It's, it's been doing that. So, Oh yeah. In case Um, those of you, in case you guys are wondering why the, the, it may sound a little bit, this is, do you guys record on zoom on NWSL? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Very yeah. nice. In case you're wondering why it might sound a little bit different, we are recording on Zoom just for ease editing so we can get this out to you as soon as possible. Editing is, four uh, separate files into one document uh, is some work. And uh, Jason is uh, prepping for an exam and can't edit this week. So this is how it's going to be done. There we go. Um, you too wish that you had a phenomenal editor who was also in med school in Barbados. It's, it's the <laughs> life we live. Sounds that's, um, that's sounds our big, reality. Say it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't think it's true, but boy, is it. We love Jason and everything he does for the show. But but yeah, I mean, really, that's everything. We've done the plugs, done the predictions, we've done everything. All that there is left to do is watch some phenomenal women's sports, and we all look forward to it. And until all of then, thank you so much for listening to this very special episode of WNWSLBA Nation. Uh, We're excited to have some more talk and some more sports with you throughout the rest of the next few months and beyond. Until then, I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. I'm Mike McPhee. And we'll catch you next time.